Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Triple MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Dan Newcombe Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We are still, unfortunately, two weeks away from our next UFC event. That's right, we got one more blank weekend, and then UFC 246, which features Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor, and we will have the full breakdown of that for you next week. But this week, we actually have some great UFC 246 content as well. We will be talking to Carlos Diego Fajeda, who fights Anthony Showtime Pettis, and we'll be talking to Brian Keller, who is about to fight Odie Osborne. So we're going to be talking to both of those fighters. And if you're looking for more UFC 246 content, you can look at our last week's episode where we talked to Brian Keller's opponent, Odie Osborne, as well as Grant Dawson, who will be fighting Chad Skelly on the card. So lots of content here for you. You can check both of these episodes out. In addition to that, we'll be doing a combat countdown this week where we talk about whether or not we think each title holder will retain their title this year or lose it and some of our picks to take those titles from them. So you can get all that great content in just a moment. Before I get to that, I do have to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Lambs. Visit GetLambs.com to check out their innovative line of radiation-proof clothing. Look, there's lots of studies out there that show radiation can lead to all kinds of bad things like low testosterone levels. It could affect your reproductive cells and all kinds of other things. And look, radiation comes in lots of places in our life because technology is only expanding and it's certainly not going away. So why not protect yourself with lambs? They've got beanies and underwear to protect both your noggins and your downstairs. I personally wear their underwear all the time, not only because of its protective qualities, but because it is legitimately the most comfy underwear that I've ever worn in my life. You can check out that underwear and their whole line, which will soon be expanding to both apparel and women's underwear at GetLambs.com. And make sure to stay up to date on all of those developments at GetLambs across social media platforms. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. GetLambs brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Brian Boom Kelleher, who fights Odie Osborne at UFC 246 on January 18th. So, Brian, it's been about a year since we've seen you. I know you had some injuries in there that kept you out of at least one fight in 2019. How, how, how are you feeling physically? Are you all healed up for this fight? Yeah, you know, I had an unfortunate injury uh, took me out of that fight with Mitch Gagnon. Um, now I'm 100% healthy. I uh, feel great. You know, everything's uh, aligned perfectly. My my mind state and uh, my physical abilities and everything. So uh, I feel great going into this one. And, and I know you're a guy who likes to stay active, too. You, you know, you mentioned having your mind right for this fight. How was your mental state in not being able to fight for a full year? Uh, you know, it, it wasn't too bad. You know, looking back in retrospect, I feel like it was kind of like a meant-to-be situation. You know, I feel like uh, I kind of felt a little bit burnt out from, from the game, you know, for a little while there. And, um, you know, especially dealing with an injury and not being able to, to make money and perform, you know, that made it a little bit worse. Uh, but, um, you know, now that I'm, I'm getting back in there, I, I feel like I, I reignited this flame that I, that I once lost. And now I feel, you know, uh, that that old Brian back where, you know, it's almost like it's my UFC debut all over again. Like I never made it here. And now I'm, I'm here to make a statement. I love that mentality. Now I got to ask too, cause you said you lost the flame a little bit. Did, do you feel like that came before the, the two recent losses or was that afterwards? 
Um, you know, I feel like it had a lot to do with the, the Lineker loss. You know, uh, to me, it was more of like, you know, manifesting uh, a certain outcome, you know, visualization and believing in yourself to an extent where, you know, when things don't go to plan, you don't quite know how to handle it because you, you've worked years and years, you know, visualizing this, you know, this, this plan going a certain way and becoming a champion and, you know, having a fight with Lineker where had I come out on top, you know, I was putting myself in title contention. You know, I'm not the youngest guy. I'm 33 now. So it was hard to just deal with that all and to, to really uh, to, to break it down and understand why it happened and to allow myself to accept it and to move forward from it. And I feel like that took a lot longer than I would have liked it to take. But that's why I say that the injury and, and, and the, the time out, out of the cage has been a blessing in disguise. And, and what helped you reset that? Was it just the time or, or was there something, too, that you did to help get your mental state correct? You know, I, I, I'm a little stubborn with uh, doing things on my own. You know, I, I didn't, you know, speak to anybody else, really. I did, you know, reach out to other fighters and I've talked to, you know, people who have, you know, walked the, these same shoes and been in the same situation. But, uh, you know, I, it was really the time and the, the reassessment of what I really want and, and, and my career and, and also, like, wanting to, to meet my full potential. You know, uh, that last fight was honestly a shell of myself. I feel like I didn't go into that last fight healed, you know, mentally. Uh, and I feel like now that time has passed and, Really, it was about the training. I kind of saw the effects of it in my training. You know, I didn't have that flair in my training, that fire in my sparring sessions where I was letting go and I wasn't, you know, afraid to get in these exchanges and, and just let loose. And, and that started to come back, and I saw that. And, and just the time where, you know, the consistency of, of that old Brian being back in the gym put me in a way better place. Absolutely. Now, I, I know you said, too, that this is the last fight on your UFC contract. I heard that in a couple other interviews you did, including one with Mike Heck. Uh, was that by your choice, or is that uh, do you just haven't had talks with the UFC about another contract? You know, no, that, that definitely wasn't by my choice. You know, uh, it was kind of just how things laid out. Uh, I really think, you know, I think the UFC likes me. You know, I think they like my style. I just think uh, in their perspective, they're trying to see where I'm at. You know, I think they want to gauge... Like, where's Brian at right now? Because, you know, that last fight uh, wasn't really a good representative of, of who I am as a fighter. And uh, I think that they're kind of looking at it like, let's just see where he stands. You know, let's, let's give him this chance to try to earn himself a new contract. And, uh, and let's give, you know, a new guy making his debut a chance to see where he is as well. Yeah, and it is a really exciting matchup, too. You, you know, you said it, you haven't had very many dull fights. Your fights are always exciting. They seem to have paired you with a guy who's a good dance partner for, for exactly that kind of fight. How much do you know about Odie Osborne, and how excited are you for this type of matchup? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm not a big film watcher. You know, I, I caught a little bit of his fight on the Contender Series. And, uh, you know, for me, a fight is more so about improvisation and, uh, you know, uh, finding your way in the fight to uh, figure out the puzzle, you know, that your opponent brings. And uh, just believing in the fact that what you've trained to do and what you're visualizing yourself doing, you're going to do that. And it's going to 
either work or you're going to have plan B and you're going to have to make adjustments and adapt to the fight. So, you know, who knows if the guy's going to fight me the same way that he fought the other guys that he fought. Uh, those guys are not me. They're not the same fighters. They're, they're probably not the same level of competition. They don't have the same experience that I have in the octagon and in fighting and in general. So uh, I do know Ode is an exciting fighter. He's an aggressive fighter. He likes to take risks. And, um, you know, he's not afraid to get into the exchanges and, uh, and let loose on, on his striking. Uh, he's good off his back. He, he likes to hit arm bars in, in guard. But that's against guys that are, are, are resting in his guard, I feel. So, you know, I, ha I have plans to shut that down. Uh, but I'm excited for this fight. And, uh, you know, everybody in this game is, is, is a tough opponent. Yeah, and we're excited for this fight, too. Now, you mentioned in there when you visualize how it going down, uh, I'd be remiss if I did not ask. How exactly do you see it go down when you visualize this one in your head? You know, I, I, I don't have a set set plan. Like I said, you know, it's, it, it's all about improvisation, but I'm ready for everything. I know a lot of fighters say this, but, you know, it's really just about being sharp and being your best self. There's nothing else you could do. That's when you perform your best. Have fun. Uh, prepare. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. I'm ready for all outcomes, all areas of the fight, whether it's striking and and you know he may, if he's coming forward if i'm coming forward you know uh on the ground you know uh you know I, I i don't think he's gonna have an easy time with my pressure and my my athleticism my ground and pound my my speed with my movement on the ground so uh i plan to shut down his game and i plan to uh put a hurting on this guy well we're certainly looking forward to it once again this was brian boom keller of Tony osborne at ufc 246 on january 18th brian thanks so much for the time man we really appreciate it thank you i appreciate it boom this is daniel gumby Vreeland with top turtle mma on flowcombat.com and today i have the pleasure of speaking to carlos diego fajeda who fights anthony showtime pettis at ufc 246 on january 18th so Carlos, after a lot of your fights, you had been calling for a ranked opponent, um, you know, like two or three fights ahead of time. But finally, here you go. You get it right here, and you get it in a big name in Anthony Pettis. Were you surprised when the UFC came to you with the name Anthony Pettis? Yeah, I'm a guy, I'm really surprised because uh, uh, he's a ranked opponent. Like, I've been asked for a ranked opponent, but I don't start beat the Anthony Pettis, you know, and that guy... A guy been looking up for a long time, you know, when he used to be the champ of uh, uh, the UFC and make me much more happy to fight a guy like that, that, that caliber, you know, and that would be awesome. And I, I'm, I'm excited now. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned in there that you looked up to him. What, what about him did you look up to at that time other than just him being the champion? Was there some aspect of the way he carried himself? Yeah, the way he carries himself, the way he like he really like like marking himself, like putting his he his time to like training. You know, I saw a couple of highlights and of his techniques and everything. And you know, I was uh, I was really impressed with everything he, he was doing for the sport and and make me like excited and push myself to be one one day have the same kind of. Uh, 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 show for me, you know, kind of like just be be there, like be a be a one day be at the champ too, you know. Absolutely. Now let's talk about this fight with Pettis too, because you're a huge favorite in this fight. The bookmakers have you at negative two forty, which means they expect you to win about twice as more likely as Pettis does. 
Is that surprising, being that he is, like, the first really big name you fought in the UFC? Yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it's important for me, too, you know. It, it's good to be the favorite, but this film don't mean nothing for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not even looking for that right now. I just, uh, my, my point right now is to get there, do a, put a good show with them, you know, like he's, he's a really big name uh, on, on the UFC. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed to be the favorite for this fight, but, uh, you know, whatever, he's just going to come to the, on the Saturday, uh, generating and put my, my time to, to shine. And you said you're looking forward to putting together, you know, an entertaining fight with him. Obviously, his documented or his striking is well documented. He's a very impressive striker. And you said before your last fight going into Mirabek Tysonoff, you felt like more of a boxer more than ever, despite your, you know, jujitsu uh, credentials. Are you expecting to go in here and just throw down with Pettis on the feet? Uh, I expect to be a good fight. You know, I I I, I train. Uh, all that aspects of the MMA, I train my rats and I train my boxing, I train my Muay Thai, I put all my time uh, for this fight. I expect to be a good fight. I don't expect just to go in uh, the area and go for the bank, but, uh, you know, whatever's come, come, and uh, I want to, you know, entertain uh, uh, the fans and put a good show, like, and, 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 you know, and do my best what I can to get my W. And obviously, in addition to it being, you know, a, a high-caliber opponent and a, uh, an opponent with, you know, quite a bit of name recognition behind him, you're fighting on a card that's getting quite a bit of publicity. You know, there hasn't been a card for almost a month. You know, it's headlined by Cowboy Cerrone and Conor McGregor. How exciting is it to be on a card where you're going to get that many extra eyes on what you do? It's really exciting, you know. It's really uh, awesome to be on a card like that. Uh up big, and especially having cowboy fighting corner uh, uh, corner uh, 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 McGregor, it does I, I, the fight. I always looking up to have it to 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 see to watch, you know, like a fan, and to be on that car. It's it's amazing. You know, it's a feeling really like really good to be on that car. That 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 size. Absolutely. And with a win there, too, you're obviously going to take a, a pretty big step up in competition. I imagine we would see you in the top 15 rankings and making moves. The The year 2020 has just started. Do you have any goals for the year 2020? Where do you see yourself, uh, you know, when the, the calendar strikes January 1st, 2021? I think my, my, my 2020, I want to be the best that I can to the best the 2019. I want to be better. You know, I want to be a better fighter. I want to be a better father and uh, uh, a better uh a family man and in uh in a better uh uh in all aspects of life I wanna be better, you know, not just in fighting but in all points I wanna put my all and put my you know my my, my best in every single thing. Well, we absolutely love that mentality, and we're looking forward to this fight quite a bit. Once again, this is Carlos Diego Fajeda, who fights Anthony Showtime Pettis at UFC 246 on January 18th. Carlos, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, anytime, you guys, uh, appreciate for the shout-out, and then, you know, thank you. 
Best of luck to you in the fight too, Carlos. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching very closely. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. And those interviews with Carlos Diego Fajeda and Brian Kelleher are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. This thing is amazing. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to wherever you download apps because it's everywhere. And you're going to download it, get it on your phone. You're going to set up your profile with whatever martial art you like to train. They've got 35 of them in there. So you can check out absolutely positively any of the ones that they have, whether it be judo, kickboxing, or boxing. And from there, you can log your training sessions. Now, I know some of you like to keep your training sessions in notebooks. Some of you, you know, don't need a way to log them. But this is why it's such a good idea to log in with Maroon Social is because it allows you to see week to week, month to month, what you're doing and whether or not you're training more month to month or less month to month, more week to week or less week to week. It also conveniently stores all of the techniques that you worked on and any notes that you might need to make about what you wanted to remember about those techniques. Cause sometimes we forget, right? We're learning lots of new things. Sometimes you forget some of them. So I think it's the best way to track your, your martial arts progress, no matter what martial arts you do. So make sure you check that out. That's Maroon Social. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby, really joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, it's certainly good to hear Brian Kelleher with a much better mindset going into this fight. I also think this is a low-key pick for a fight of the night. How about you? That is a great pick. Low-key pick, but a great pick for fight of the night. Uh, Kelleher sounds like he's in a good headspace. Typically, that leads to a good performance. Well, for the most part. Uh, and you know what? We had these guys on back-to-back weeks, so Top Turtle really bringing you the insights of that fight. It could be a good one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. And, and like I said, you know, a, a good low-key pick for fun of the night. Again, though, like, you're you're on a fight card with Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. You have to imagine that one's going to bring some heat. So, you know, they're up against stiff competition. But it is an exciting fight, nevertheless. Well, that's a low-key pick for fight of the night. I got a high-key pick for what's going to make your week fun if you're an MMA fan. And it's our combat countdown. We're bringing it back. It's our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment on the show. Uh, I do want to mention that this combat countdown this week, where we are counting down champions, current champions, and if or if not, they will retain their title in 2019. This combat count in 2020, excuse me, need to time travel a little myself. This combat countdown is brought to you by the Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational, which is going to be the premier grappling event of 2020, the first quarter of 2020. It's taking place in Poughkeepsie on February 1st. There is an eight-man bracket. If you are into submission grappling, go look at some of the names. Uh, Nick Ronan, Aaron Harris, uh, rumors of a very big name about to drop in that bracket. Winner walks away with $1,000. If you are a grappling nerd, you are going to want to keep your eye on the Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational brought to you by uh, Mike Wacker at Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu, also in New York. Uh, upstate New York, and I highly recommend you follow them on Instagram. Hudson Valley Grappling Invitational brings you this episode of Combat Countdown. Gumby, I have to ask you, are you ready? I am very ready. All right, so let's let this be said. Last year, 2019, only three champions stayed champion through the whole year. Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, and John Jones. Everyone else lost their title or there was a title switch. So odds are not good on multiple people keeping their title, but let's talk about who we think can or who we think will beat the current champ. We'll start, eh, 
we'll go ascending weight class up, starting with men. Uh, no one really knows what's going on with flyweight. I guess they stripped Cejudo of the title. Let's skip flyweight for this episode because we just – who knows? And honestly, <clears throat> who cares? That's me saying that. I know you're a big flyweight fan. So let's start with <laughs> bantamweight Henry Cejudo. Gumby, will Cejudo retain his title throughout the calendar year 2020? And if you're going to say no, who beats him? All right, I'm actually going to say no on this one. While I like Henry Cejudo and I like his chances here, and you know, like at the same time, there's a lot of good challengers. Now, maybe he finds a way to avoid them all because he's talking about fighting Jose Aldo fresh off of a loss of his last opponent. You know, he beat Marlon Marais, and then Marlon Marais beats Jose Aldo, and somehow Aldo winds up with a title shot. If he continues to make fights like that and claim that he wants to go up in weight classes again and shit like that, like, yeah, maybe he avoids a meaningful title shot. But I will tell you, if he fights either Peter Yan or Aljamain Sterling, I like both of them in fights against Risa Hudo. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the UFC favors somebody like Aljamain Sterling over Peter Yan. I think Jan maybe needs one more big name win, although he did just beat, you know, Uriah Faber. Let's match him with Corey Sanhagen, put that in a fun fight. And I'm going to say Aljamain Sterling is is the champion when it comes 2021. All right. I'm going to disagree with you right off the bat. Uh, can I see it? Of course. The odds are not good of multiple people, people keeping their titles. And I don't think Cejudo is the best champion pound for pound by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm actually... And I'm a huge Aljo fan. We know this. I don't know that if I'm betting my life on it that I think Aljo is going to be the man to take the title. I think Cejudo could survive, take three out of five rounds, use his wrestling. His striking's comparable. Uh, Aljamain a little funkier. I think Cejudo a little more traditional in the boxing style. I like Cejudo in that matchup. Uh, I don't find Marlon Moraes to be, you know, or Peter Yan, Corey Sandhagen. None of these guys say to me that they can just automatically take it from Cejudo. So I'm, I'm sticking with my man Cejudo to keep it through 2020. Let's move to featherweight. Alexander Volkanovsky is our new champion. Does Volkanovsky win, uh, keep his title? And if not, who beats him? Yeah, I think he 100% keeps his title. Uh, look, I, I, we've had him on the show a couple of times. I was a huge Volkanovsky mark even before this year started. And, and this year only proved it more, right? Like in the last 12 months or 13 months, if you want to include the, the Chad Mendes fight, he's beaten three of the people who you would consider featherweight goats, right? Like Chad Mendes, uh, Max Holloway, and Jose Aldo are like the three, unless you want to squeeze Conor McGregor in there, three of the top featherweights of all time. And he not only beat them all, but his game planning is amazing because he beat them all in different ways too. Look at, watch the Max Holloway fight, watch the Jose Aldo fight. He fights like two completely different fighters in there, right? Like he pressures Jose Aldo up against the cage. He uses like takedown attempts or, or mock takedown attempts to like open him up and land strikes. Whereas he is just out striking Max Holloway in the center of the cage for large portions of the time. So I, I love that he is able to fight different kinds of fights in there in order to win. And I just can't see somebody like, you know, like, uh, I, I can't see but somebody like Korean Zombie taking him out. If, if I had to make a pick, I would probably pick Korean Zombie. But I, I just can't see anybody in that top 10 or top 15 challenging him right now. 100% agree. Uh, I could see Max Holloway beating him in a rematch, but not enough for me. Again, I'm viewing this that someone has a 
gun to my head or I have to bet my life savings on it. And I'm not prepared to do that. I agree with everything you said about Volkanovsky. I think he's uh, maybe one of, along with a couple of guys we'll get to at heavier weight classes, the safest pick to keep his title. I'm going that as well. Uh, we'll move up to 155. He's never lost a fight. It's Khabib Nurmagomedov. Does he retain or who's going to beat him? So I'm probably going to say he's going to retain just based on the idea that, first of all, I, I, I am leaning towards picking him over Tony Ferguson right now. Uh, and I haven't like you know really sat down and thought about that fight for the fifth time yet because my brain can't take it if it doesn't come through. Uh, and then after that, you know, I really think he's going to wind up fighting Conor McGregor again. And three title fights in a year is kind of a lot for, for Habib, especially when you consider, you know, the breaks he takes for Ramadan and things like that. So, like, with all of that said and done, do I think he beats Tony? Yes. And then, like, obviously I think he beats Conor again. So, as a result, I'm saying he's keeping it. But I would say that there are plenty of people who could beat him. And say the Connor thing doesn't work out. Say Donald Cerrone beats Connor uh, in a week for, or two weeks from now. I really do think that Justin Gaethje could beat Habib. That would be my pick if somebody had to beat him. Uh, I just don't think he's going to get the chance in 2020. Uh, everything you laid out, I mean, you're beating me to the punch. You're getting to go first, but I, I like that about this as, as I'm queuing you up. I agree with everything you just said. However, I'm going to say Habib does not retain, or really what we're saying is, will they be champion come the end of the year? And I'm safe in saying, Habib, there's a lot of drama around him. Could I see him getting injured and stripped of his title? That's a very big possibility some sort of suspension because he ends up mauling Dylan Dennis when they see each other at international fight week, whatever the case may be. I also think Tony Ferguson and Gaethje match up the best with him out of anyone he's ever faced before. Yes, of course I'm picking him against Connor in a rematch, but if he were to get Gaethje, I think Gaethje has a good chance. And while does he beat Ferguson? Should he be favored against Ferguson? Yes. But again, Tony Ferguson is the worst matchup for Habib. When it comes to cardio, gas tank, we'll save it for our preview show. I'm comfortable saying Habib will not retain, even though he's never lost a fight, and it's kind of a stupid thing to say. We'll move up to welterweight 170. Kamaro Usman defended successfully against Colby Covington. Will he be champion come 2021 January? I, I actually am going to say yes on this one, too. And, and like, I, I know I'm being the weirdo here who is picking, like, champions to retain. Just after we talked about how champions typically don't retain, but, like, I mean, like, when you go through the list of the people at the top of that division, I just don't see anybody who's a problem for Kamar Usman. In fact, if you look at the top five of the welterweight division, there's only one person in that top five he hasn't already beat. He beat Tyron Woodley. He beat Colby Covington. He beat Leon Edwards, granted, a long time ago. He beat Rafael Dos Anjos. So, like, I'm not worried about him in any of those fights, which only leaves Jorge Masvidal. And, like, while we love to talk about Jorge Masvidal as this, like, reborn fighter, the fact of the matter is he's knocking out guys and beating guys who are standing with him, right? Like, Nate, Nate Diaz is not a threat to take Jorge Masvidal down. You know, uh, Anthony Pettis – oh, sorry, Anthony Pettis fought Nate Diaz. Scratch that. Darren Till was not a threat to take Jorge Masvidal down. So, as a result, like – has he fought somebody who's like a crazy intense wrestler? And, and remember, he's a 55er. Jorge Masvidal was a 155-pounder for years. So, like, everybody who's, like, saying, like, he, you know, he, he's got a good grappling game, that's true, but he's never been buried under a big, heavy, mean wrestler like Kamar Usman. Again, 
I agree with every absolute thing you're saying. No one's beat Usman. This is the GSP playbook to wins by decision. He's a tough guy, as we saw against Colby. No one is going to beat him at his own game. He's already beat most of the people in the top five. I like him against Leon Edwards. I like him against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, RDA, absolutely no chance. We've seen that he has a soft spot against someone who's going to take him down a lot, press him up against the cage like a Khabib. So Usman's going to retain. Very comfortable saying that. Israel Adesanya, middleweight champion. Uh, I, I'm going to – and listen, I, I'm a huge Israel Adesanya fan. We've had him on the show a couple of times. But I'm actually going to say probably not. And, and and I'm not picking him – like if I had to pick him or the field, I would pick him. Uh, but when you look at how many people are in that field that are potentially dangerous, like look, a matchup with Paulo Costa worries me about him. He got hit a lot by Kelvin Gastelum, who is not a particularly potent striker and not a particularly mean striker. The dude, uh, wasn't able to put away, you know, a past his prime Chris Weidman. You know, Chris Weidman's only win in like the last three years is beating Calvin Gastelum. And Calvin Gaslam tagged Israel Adesanya enough to swell his face up. Paulo Costa punches a whole hell of a lot harder. So if you see him against somebody like Paulo Costa, you see him against somebody like Yoel Romero, I really don't like those matchups. And even if you go a little bit further down, there are some sleepers in this division. People like uh, Edmund Shabazian, I know he's crazy young, but his strength and his takedown ability, I, I know he wouldn't piece up Israel Adesanya on the face, but I think there are a lot of bad matchups for him in this division, even if you go pretty far down the rankings. Yeah, I happen to like Yoel Romero just for the fact that uh, he's big, he's strong, he's powerful. There will obviously be a speed advantage with Ida Sanya. Uh, again, you know, th this is an interesting game to play because – in one-on-one -on -one matchups, sure, I think he can get past Yoel Romero, uh, can I, Desanya. But when I look at him defending twice, can he get past Yoel Romero and Paulo Costa? I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like a pretty tall order to get by both in a 12-month span. So I, too, am more comfortable saying, no, he will not retain. Let's move up to 205. Uh, another guy who just never loses, unless it's to Matt Hamill. Uh, although, actually, I guess that was a DQ, not so much a loss. Uh, who you got here, John Jones or someone from the field? Uh, I'm going to take John Jones. Uh, you know, like he seems like the type of guy who's not going to get beat for a very long time. With that being said, if you do have to pick somebody, the person who's already got the title shot is by and far the most exciting person to see him fight in this division, and that's Dominic Reyes. The dude is hyper-athletic. He's also never lost. And granted, he hasn't faced the competition. The only reason I'm probably not picking, like, Dominic Reyes to upset him is that, like, Dominic Reyes looked a little bit sketchy against Volkan Ozdemir. And, and, like, not that, that that's, like, the worst loss because Volkan Ozdemir just went ahead uh, and picked up a big win over Alexander Rachich. But, like, at the same time, like, if he struggled with that, like, John Jones is amazing and he's going to be just fine. The, the better question for John Jones and whether or not he's going to lose is, is whether or not he's going to lose his title some way stupid. Um, and that could potentially, you know, make him drop his title. He can do something dumb again. Um, we've all seen that play out. But I I'm going to say John Jones is still the champ in 2021. All right. I'm going to say Jones is not the champ. And I'm, again, going off, even though, obviously, I respect the hell out of him and Abib. Neither of them have ever lost. Um, I am going to say that some sort of drama could happen 
or he's just going to abandon 205 forever and go up to heavyweight once he's cleared out this division, which he almost has, unless you want to say that Thiago Santos gets a, a rematch with him, not on a blown-out knee. That would be very interesting. But we've also seen, you know, the time will come. MMA does not let anyone escape unscathed. Ask Ronda Rousey about that. We have seen some weakness out of Jones. I'm going to say he loses. Uh, and I don't know to who per se, but I just feel like there's enough enough in the air for me to say that, no, he will not be champ come 2021. We'll move to heavyweight Stipe Miocic. Uh, I'm going to say this is the one I'm most confident in, in that he will not have the title in 2021. And I know that seems somewhat shocking, but look, a rematch with Daniel Cormier could potentially be dangerous. He's been knocked out by him once. Uh, he he was close to being tagged, although some people don't like to remember this. There were times where it looked like Francis Naganu was going to tag him in his first fight. And, you know, I really think Francis Naganu is a better fighter in a rematch. And it only takes one punch, especially at heavyweight, especially with somebody like Naganu. Also, you know, just putting it out there. Francis Naganu versus Yair Rosenstreich is a number one contender fight, no matter what. And both of those guys have absolutely insane knockout power. Rosenstreich knocked out Alistair Overeem 25 minutes into the fight. That is crazy knockout power. I'm going to say either of those two, but if I had to guess uh, and pick just one person, I'm picking Naganu. Yep, I feel the same exact way. I like Naganu in that rematch. I think he's a different fighter. I think he learned from that first fight. And at heavyweight, I think it's always easy to just take the field because someone, ha- everyone has even more than a puncher's chance because those punches are coming in hot and heavy. So I- I'm comfortable saying Stipe won't be the champion. Let's move over to the women's side because two out of the three champions uh, retained in 2019. Can they do it in 2020? Let's first start, though, at the lightest of weights with uh, Wei Zhang. Yeah, Wei Li Zhang is, is a, a fighter who I, first of all, just like Israel Adesanya, absolutely love. I, I find her to be one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC right now. And at the same time, I'm not picking Wei Li Zhang to retain her title. I'm going to say there's too much talent at strawweight right now for her to retain. Look, she's fighting Joanna Janjacek, who is unlike most fighters she's fought. She's a super talented, very technical striker. You know, she's she's done a really good job of, like, beating up people who are, like, pitter-patter quick strikers, like, you know, like Tisha Torres. Or she beat up somebody who's, like, a big powerhouse, like Jessica Andrade. But fighting, like, a technical Muay Thai fighter who is good in the clinch, like Joanna Janjacek, she, she's never fought that. So that gives me pause to think that she's going to win. And if she wins that... You know, there's likelihood she fights twice this year, and then she fights Tatiana Suarez, who you know I've always had pegged as a one future 115 champ and, and is a wrestler unlike what Wei Li Zhang has seen. So as a result, I, I'm not picking her to retain just because of the level of talent at 15 right now. Uh, I feel very comfortable saying that as well, that 115 has really has been for the past couple of years a very stacked division. Uh, I think it's way more fleshed out and proven itself than 125 flyweight for women. Uh, and even bantamweight, you've really seen like two dominant champions. Whereas I think strawweight, we've seen more parody. So I agree with you on that. Now let's get to the hard parts. 125 and 135, both women retained last year. Is Valentina Shevchenko, we'll start with 125, was Valentina Shevchenko the champion come January 2021? I'm actually going to say no, and I know that this seems weird, mostly because there are not a lot of really good challengers at flyweight, but there are a couple. Like, um, I'm interested to see in what 
uh, Caitlin Chokagian is going to do in her fight with Valentina Shevchenko. I know that fight is already booked. Um, and I don't particularly love Caitlin Chokagian's style. She's, she, you know, especially with like the yelling in between every strike. And I know that irritates some people. And, and she doesn't seem like she's going for the kill at any point in time, which is is kind of annoying too. Um, but I think there's a chance that she outpoints Valentina Shevchenko with that style. Because Shevchenko, despite the KO of Jessica I that everybody cites all the time, is not particularly a killer either. Um, and then, like, I, I'd be interested to see how somebody like Joanne Calderwood does. Um, of course, we've got um, we've got Jennifer Maya in the mix. There, there's Macy Barber, who everybody's, you know, super high on and is fighting Roxanne Modafari in, in two weeks. So, like... There are plenty of options at flyweight, although they don't seem like the strongest yet. I'm just not ever super impressed by Valentina Shevchenko like everybody else is. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying, man. I know what you're saying. This is a really tough one for me. I'm not super impressed with who else is out there. I'm going to say she stays the champion. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going with it. Let's go. Let's round it out. 135. She's the women's goat. It's Amanda Nunes. Yeah, there's no way I'm picking against her. She, she's amazing, right? Like, she's knocked out every great woman fighter that has ever lived, right? Like, she's she's knocked out whoever you've called a women's goat before and done so seemingly easy. Nobody at the top of the division worries me about her anymore. You know, like, Jermaine Durandamy doesn't worry me. Uh, Aspen Ladd doesn't worry me. Holly Holm doesn't worry me. Juliana Pena doesn't worry me. Raquel Pennington doesn't worry me. The only one who I'm a little bit interested in, and like I said, gun to my head, you got to pick somebody. I might pick Irina Aldana if I had to pick somebody out there as a potential upset. She just got done absolutely knocking Ketlin Vieta's head off with like one of maybe the best knockouts of the year that nobody's talking about right now. And as a result, like, she might be the most interesting pick. But absolutely, if I'm taking uh, Amanda Nunes as the field, it's Amanda Nunes, and it's not close. I agree. I'm not going to pick against her. She's proven it time and again, and I'm not that impressed with the field. All right, let's go. Women's 145. No, just kidding. We're not going to do that because there's not really a real division there. That's our combat countdown. We're sticking to it. We want to hear from you. Did we do a good job with this? Do we absolutely suck? Do you love our picks? Do you hate our picks? We're accepting both love and hate feedback on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Gumby, that about wraps it up for us and the main body of the show. Why don't you do a little housekeeping and get us out of here? And, well, of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank some people for making this and every episode possible. First of all, let's thank the fans. You guys are awesome, and we would not be able to do what we do without you guys. also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week, as well as our sponsors for helping us do what we do, Maroon Social and Get Lambs. Thank both of those great companies, and make sure you check them out. Uh, we also want, speaking of checking things out, we also want you to check out our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. You can get all of our updates, its episodes, articles, all kinds of things coming up there, including some contests coming out for autograph stuff. So make sure you keep an eye on our Twitter. That's at TopTurtleMMA. Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.